Harry Butthole Podcast is produced in partnership with Joy Sauce. Harry Butthole. Welcome to Harry Butthole Podcast. This is a podcast where I ask a guest on to tell a sad story and then we laugh about it. It's based on the Korean saying, if you laugh while crying, hair grows out of your butthole. I'm your host, Youngmi Mayer. Today we have a very special guest. This is kind of a part two of last week's episode with my mom, who was the person that told me the phrase, if you laugh while crying, hair grows out of your butthole. It's a popular Korean phrase. But this guest this week is my mom's husband and also my dad, Roger Mayer. Hi. <laughs> well, hello. <laughs> have you ever heard that phrase before? I have never heard that phrase before. Never. Mom's never said that to you? She may have in Korean, but I don't understand Korean <laughs> that well. <laughs> I like to say that phrase a lot because I think it's been a big influence on my comedy or that's just how that's like my personality. And then I noticed that that's like kind of where my humor comes from, which is, I think, kind of common, you know, where you talk about sad stuff and then you, you like make it funny. Well, when was the first time you heard that phrase? When I was a kid. Get Mom would here, say huh? it all the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she would, she would uh, like spank us, and then we would cry, and then she would tell us jokes. Wow! <laughs> Learn something every day. So you never heard Mom say that? No, I have never heard her say that. Never. Wow! So Mom came on the show last week to talk about the family, you know, the Korean family history, mm-hmm. and I wanted her on the show because. I don't, you know, I've heard like these stories, but I I didn't have the full story. So I thought I would ask you like your side of the family and like the history of that. My side of the family. Okay, maybe the a good way to start would be telling you how much I know. Good. And tell right. me if if it's accurate. Okay. Okay, so this is what I remember from being a kid, you said that your mom, grandma, was an orphan. She didn't know her parents. Yeah, orphan, I don't know. I, I, I think she was, uh, how can I say, left on someone's doorstep, I believe. But, uh, so she didn't know her parents? No. So I remember hearing that. Okay, so that's accurate. And you said she was Irish. That's correct. But she was born here. Yes. Uh, no, born in America, I mean, not in she Korea. She was born, yes, in America. She was not uh, born in Korea. <laughs> my <laughs> mom? Oh, no. Okay, so she was born in America. She was Irish. She ha- she doesn't know who her parents are. But who, who did she grow up with? Who did I grow up with? Who did grandma grow up with? Uh, it's vague. I tried to check a history out. I, I wish when I was younger I was more curious about her past, but... As a young kid, I didn't have any particular interest in it. Yeah. There is no grandmother or grandfather on her side that I've ever encountered. However, I did encounter grandmother on my father's side. Oh, you did? Yes. And then you... Yeah, I don't know that much about your dad either, my grandfather. 
Well, don't feel bad. I don't know too much about him either. But right. uh, well, I'm joking in a sense. But but like, what what was his story? So he was German. His family was German. Yes, yes. And they was. had come from Germany. They did, yeah. But your dad was also born in the states. He was. He was. But his sisters, his sister, mm-hmm. and brothers were not. They came as immigrants. Right. And my grandmother, his mother, was pregnant with him when she arrived in, in the USA. And then what year was that, roughly? I'm not sure of his birth year. My mother's was 1918, and they were pretty close. I think maybe 1916 or 17. Oh, okay. Where, where did he grow up? Uh, he, oh, he grew up in uh, New Jersey. Right. I believe uh, southern New Jersey. I want to say Perth Amboy. Mm-hmm. But uh, because I remember a, a, a long, long time ago, both his brothers lived, my uncles, lived in Perth Amboy. Mm-hmm. And his sister lived in Pound Ridge, New York. Right. And then you knew them growing up? Well, the only ones that I was really uh, associated with, again, are my Aunt Helen and Uncle John and Cousin Judy, who mm-hmm. lived in uh, in Pound Ridge, New York. Yeah. You know? And uh, every other summer, if not every summer, uh, my mom and dad would send me to spend about a month with them on their little ranch up there. Mm. It was very interesting. And you said that that was like very formative for you because you lived in Jersey City and that was like the only time you got to do stuff like oh, out oh, on the farm and stuff? Yeah, for sure. Going from Jersey City to uh, my cousin Judy had two horses. My uncle John had a, a garden in Aunt Helen. Yeah. Uh, it, it was like going maybe from, 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 from I don't know, Earth to Mars or yeah. no, a, a better place <laughs> than Mars because we like heaven. Was your aunt really like Germany? Because like... German style? Oh, yes, yes, she was. From what I understand, both his brothers and my, his sister, my Aunt Helen, went back to Germany in the mid-30s, left the United States. Uh, For what reason, I do not know. But after the war was over, they came back. Oh, wow. Yeah, and... and, uh, some of the tales I heard of now, discussions around the table, was that uh, uh, being young children at the time, I guess they were influenced by uh, what was going on in Germany and wanted to go back over there and join the fun. <laughs> yeah. If you know what I mean. And while there, my uh, his sister, Helen, met a, met a man and married him, and they somehow wound up back in the United States. And that was your Uncle John. So he was, was also German. Yeah. Oh, you bet, yeah. You betcha. Interesting. Well, so I think that what you're alluding to is that they were very interested in going back to Germany to because of like to become Nazis, essentially. I believe so, yeah, because they wow. were teenagers at the time and yeah. you know, and they said, hey, we're going to go back there and get in trouble or, or help the world or whatever. Yeah. And, and then after World War Two, they, they all returned to the United States. That's really interesting. I mean, you know, I think, it, I mean, this is a very long discussion that I, I probably don't want to have on this episode. But like, yeah, I understand probably. why why it would be appealing to some people to want to join in a group that feels bigger than them. Unfortunately, it's something really harmful. That is very interesting. But then, my question is, 
Why was it so easy for them to come back to the states? Do you know, or I don't even know? Well, I, I don't know, but if, if yeah. you if you look at the history a little bit, it, it, I, I guess quite a few Germans came back to the United States with open arms, particularly the educated ones, the engineers. That's yeah. that's always mesmerized me. But uh, yeah, yeah, that that's an aspect of history too that would require more than an hour and a half or even three hours to yeah. discuss here. But it, it it always bothered me, even even as a young kid. But let's not forget when I was a young kid going to school, I was sometimes my classmates would call me a Nazi. What the hell are they talking about? I don't know what a Nazi is yeah. because I was German, you know. Oh, so they did. They the, were making oh, fun yeah, of the neighbors and stuff. Hey, we got to, you know, mm. you know, he's a German and his wife's from Ireland. That's so interesting. You know, I'm so interested about all this because mom was talking about how, you know, the Japanese occupation affected her family directly. And, mm, oh yeah, yeah. and the war um, did affect your family as well, even like your uncles and your aunts. Like that's like very close members of your family. And it's just really interesting, you know, being somebody that's like biracial and coming from these cultures that are like, you know, on both sides of these like conflicts, you know, like there, there are people in my family that were, they were Nazis and there were people in my family that were the victims of Japanese imperialism. Like it's just like a very broad spectrum. And it's like, it's very interesting to be like the outcome of that, you know? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's really complicated. Yeah. Complicated and I don't know, tragic. It's definitely tragic, but That also, like, I think uh, part of the reason why I like to talk on this podcast about things that are kind of sad but funny at the same time Mm. is, like, I have this, you know, idea that everything is sort of everything, you know, at the same time. Like, people are Mm -hmm. able to be, you know, like, even in our own family, we have people that are victims of war and, like, atrocity, and we have people... They're like victims of literal genocide. And we have people that are were Nazis. Like it's just like everything's like part of each other, kind of. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. That's basically all I know about your grand my grandparents. I know that there was an issue with your grand with your dad where he disappeared or ran o- I don't know what's the right word. Well, from what I can recall, yeah, he he uh, found a new girlfriend. Okay, and uh, well, theoretically, packed his bags and packed the money in the bank account and right. Adios. How old were you then? I was probably thirteen. Oh wow! Yeah, just about thirteen. And then you never saw him again. Never saw him again. Where do you think he went? I have no idea. I couldn't guess. Wow. What was that like for your mom? She became happier. <laughs> she changed really? a lot, you know. She she because uh, he was kind of oppressive. I remember some of the things he did at home and they yeah. weren't too nice, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, unlike his sister Maya and Helen, they were like night and day, you know. Uh he was kind of a nasty guy. Mhm. You know? Not a nice person. Right. So even though it was probably financially difficult, your mom was like 
probably happier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was eventually. She you know, about a year later, she was you know a lot more bouncy than she was previously. Yeah. Yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah. She was a practical nurse, and she had to go back to work doing that. How How did you feel? What do you? Yeah. Relieved. You felt <laughs> relieved left, too. Yeah. Yeah, mm. he was a little oppressive. You know, he was he was not a a very nice person. Right. So you both felt kind of like okay. Yeah, yeah. free. The shackles have been broken, you know. Yeah. Uh, That's interesting that you and mom have a similar sort of background with that. I mean, mom's dad passed away, mm-hmm. but, you know, just the feeling of the, you know, like your dad's and your family just disappearing one day and yeah. having to deal with that. Yeah. Um, well, you, and then you had one brother, Right. Uh, yeah, he was a uh, uh, an adopted brother. Uh, mm. Not really adopted. He was a, a, a state child, uh, a foster uh, child. Of the, correct. Yeah, that's the correct word. He mm-hmm. was a foster, Joey. Yeah. Right, and right. he passed away pretty recently. I guess it's been well, like twenty years can, now. Yeah, he passed away about uh, at least twenty, twenty-two years ago. You remember him? I, I remember. I was. I think yeah. I was around eleven, maybe. Maybe even a little maybe, younger when maybe, we oh, went okay. back to New Jersey and visited him. Yeah. And he was very ill. He was yeah. because this is what I remember. He died because of he was in the Vietnam War. That's correct. And he was sprayed with Agent Orange. That's correct. That's this is like really fascinating. I mean, yeah, I it's really know. interesting to hear both of your families, mom and your families, uh-huh. so directly affected by war, basically. Mm, yeah. yeah. Okay, so uh, I just want to say I do remember uh, your brother, Joey's, I think, ex-wife, who was so funny because we met her and she, Betty, was, yeah. Yeah, she was like the nanny. She had this thick Jersey accent. She had this big <laughs> hair. Remember? She was wearing oh, like a, you bet, a yeah. leopard print bodysuit and high heels. <laughs> and she was like, just like just like the nanny. She was so Jersey. She was like, you what bet. are you eating? Like, I don't I don't even know how to do it. Had the thick Jersey accent. Really loud yeah. and like, you know, bossing us around. That was amazing. And you said that when you were younger, you had that accent too, huh? When, well, you know <laughs> when, when I ran away from Jersey City and went up in San Francisco, when I spoke to people, they couldn't understand what I was saying. Yeah. When I moved to the West Coast, I had to relearn English. <laughs> yeah, your because your accent was Because of my so heavy, Jersey City accent. Wow. Do you think you could snap back to doing it? Uh, after a couple of bottles of beer, sometimes I do. I always noticed when I was a kid, you say the word California in this way. That's like, I can't say it, but I think it's like, you say like California or something. Well, I still have an accent, I guess. Yeah, yeah I think that's the only word where I've always heard it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jersey City is spelled... Uh, S I D D Y, Jersey City, J O I S E Y S I D D Y, Jersey City. Well, okay, so I don't, I guess, I guess everything that I knew about your family has been pretty accurate and it is very interesting. You know, I never really sat down and really thought how much of you, both of you and mom's lives are kind of similar in a lot of ways, but I want, I guess I want to move on to like your life because you have a very interesting life. You traveled a lot. You said that you went to San Francisco after, you know, after you left Jersey. And uh-huh. then, yeah, why don't you talk about all the places that you live? Because you've lived in so many parts of the world. 
well, you skip around. Well, yeah, we'd start in San Francisco. You're in San Francisco. Oh, after San Francisco. And were you learning how to fly there? Or? No, I, yeah. I, I learned how to fly back in Jersey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in Totovac, in Caldwell Field, when I was 16 years old. Mm. Uh, when I left the East Coast for California, I had uh, uh, the basic pilot's licenses. I had a commercial and a multi-engine rating. And I finished the rest of my certification when I arrived in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. I got my. Uh, and then what were and you were just flying airplanes, San Francisco, like. Well, yes. Uh, when I got to San Francisco, I got a job with Delta Airlines. Obviously, not as a pilot. <laughs> you know, uh, initially starting out in ground service, I, I stayed with Delta for about four or five years. Mm -hmm. While I was with Delta, I completed all the necessary requirements for an airline transport pilot and mm -hmm. flight instructor. Mm -hmm. And to build time, while I was working full-time at Delta in San Francisco, my first job was as a flight instructor in Oakland, mm. teaching people how to fly seaplanes. Oh, okay. And because working for Delta Airlines back in those days, Airlines have a lot of benefits for employees. You uh -huh. can fly anywhere on any other airline for basically free. Uh -huh. So every time we had or I had a six-day, eight-day break or vacation, boom, I'd go to Europe. I'd go to go to Africa. When I got to Africa, I said, "Boy, I got I got to live here." Yeah. So after San Francisco, to make a long story short, bingo, I'm in Zambia flying wait, airplanes. Wait, but I want to ask you, because you also, after San Francisco, you lived in Spain, though. Right? Uh, yes, I lived in Spain. Yeah, and okay, yes. I think you're trying not to talk about this because <laughs> mom showed me one day, she showed me a photo album. Of my wedding. And there was a wedding picture of yes. you getting married in Spain, right? and it was very and romantic you, looking. Right. I feel like that's why you're flying by this portion. Uh, yeah, you got I, married in Spain. I got married in Spain. Christmas Eve. Wow. The only way I can remember you've that. Never I you've never talked about this to me. Do you oh, realize I don't, I mean, that? I don't talk about I'm sorry. You, do you realize you've never told me this? Well, I don't you think never you've ever asked. Well, like I, I found never, the my, picture. Like I never asked my mother, Steph. You know? Well, I mean, <laughs> you know, I, f I found the picture and then I was like, oh, what happened there? You got married and then how long yeah, were you married? Uh, not too long. <laughs> but... Uh, uh, <laughs> We, I went up to Spain because uh, uh, Joanne's father was uh, reti just retired from the military as a colonel. Yeah. And he bought a... Uh, Who's Joanne? Your first wife. No, that's the, my second wife. Your second wife. So you were married before that. Yeah. Okay, I, I <laughs> vaguely remember you... Okay. You're blinking your eyes a lot No, now. you vaguely told me you were married for like a, a very short time when you were like an 18-year-old or something. That's Is correct. that the, your first wife? Yeah. So when... Where were in Jersey? Yes. Were you, and you married somebody just like in Jersey City? or yeah. Okay, uh -huh. and then it, it just quickly... Went to San more. Francisco. You moved with your then-wife, uh -huh. got a divorce. Yeah. See, yeah. this is the interesting stuff, Dad. Nobody... We're not, you know... When you're talking about Delta oh, people watching this miles, yeah. Okay, well, and you're then you're like, well, that was my third wife, you know. Okay, yeah. so your first wife was just somebody you met in Jersey. Yeah. 
you you know this is stuff you've never told me this is the first time we're well, talking you're about never well, how, how am I supposed? Am I supposed to be like, how many wives have you had, Dad? Like that's a <laughs> why not? I should ask my mother how many husbands have you had. I'll never know. You'll never know. That's a that's a good point. But um, okay, so your first wife, you got married when you were eighteen. Nineteen. I'm sh- 19 I'm about that, what, what, and you quickly got divorced, probably because you're very young. Yeah, she. We went to San Francisco, and uh, and and, and uh, I was working, and she found someone else, and okay, you know. Wow. Wow, that was that was the wild days. That was the, was that the sixties? No. Yeah. The sixties. Yeah. You were in San Francisco in the sixties. That's amazing. The late. I was in San Francisco in sixty. When did I get to San Francisco? Yeah, because you must. Yeah. So that was like the heyday of San Francisco. Oh, you bet, man! It lived right on Fell Street. Which That's is, amazing. Which is a step and a half away from Haight Ashbury. And you had a thick Jersey accent. That's that's well, so funny. Well, I was starting to lose it by that time. I had to learn English real fast. So people you were learning saying, English, yeah. But but uh, I, I, the environment was there. It was a lot of fun. I'd walk through it every day. But I was commuting to the airport because I had a professional yeah. job at Delta Airlines. And you can't walk around with Delta Airlines. You know? Right. It's doing so, reefer and stuff. Exactly right. You know, I had my future uh, you, to think of. But it? at night, I had a lot of fun. Doing LSD. No, no, no. Um, <laughs> tie stick. What's that? No, we don't <laughs> want to know what maybe that is. Somebody out there knows. It's quaaludes. No. <laughs> Someone and tell you the young here. me what tie stick is, please. Tie stick. That's right. Is that a drug? You. Okay, I'm research. gonna Google it later. Yeah, it's up to you. To I find. feel like I don't. I probably don't want to know. Um, and then you, you're saying that you're walking by all these bars and you saw all these bands uh, no, and like stuff oh, like that. Oh no, no, no! It's not. Ex- I, I could hear them. You know, yeah, but on yeah. the weekends, right, right there at the, the Panhandle, Golden Gate Park. Yeah, it's a know. beautiful area. <clears throat> yeah. Wow, that's okay. So, so you grew up in Jersey City as a thick Jersey accent. You had this teenage marriage and it got divorced. You're in. Mm-hmm. San Francisco hate Ashbury yep. at the height of height of that in the middle of the sixties, yep. and then you moved to Cy- then you moved to Spain, where you got sec- second married to um, Joanne, your second wife, yep. who was Spanish. Or no, no, she was American. Oh, and she, she was born in Vietnam. But she was she was like a white person. She wasn't Vietnamese, right? No, her husband and and and. and uh, uh, I mean, her father and mother were in the. He was in the military. Were in the military. She was born. You know, during, okay. During the Vietnamese War. So then you married Joanne oh. in Vietnam, in Spain. Yes. And you got quickly divorced too. You said. Yeah, when we got back from our adventures in Spain and Africa. Which part of Africa did you? Zambia. Zambia. And mm-hmm. what year was that? Here we go. Let's see. 60, uh, uh, 70, 1970, 71, early, early 70s. And that's when you first lived in Africa, even though you've visited a lot before. Well, then. when I first got the African continent, yeah, Central Africa, but when I was in Spain, I got a job flying out of Malaga into uh, uh, Morocco. Uh-huh. Just across the Mediterranean, back and forth, little commuter stuff. So yeah. while there, I got a phone call from some of my friends in Nairobi, who I met previously about two years before, Nigel and Marion Slade, and said, hey, we got this good deal for you in Zambia. We know the guy needs pilots to fly all around the continent. And I said, sounds good to me. 
Okay. So then, so you were divorced for the second time. You lived in Africa. And then how long did you live there before you moved? In Africa? Yeah. About five years. So in the mid-70s then, you moved to Alaska. No. After Africa, I went back to the United States. Oh, okay. The uh, uh, Novato and got a job flying their corporate aircraft for uh, Hayden Saltz, fish and chips guy. And William Penpatrick, the big pyramid sales guy back in the day. Like a pyramid yeah. scheme person? Well, yeah, that's another part of history. Well, yeah. William Penpatrick. Uh, I flew for for his Spectrum Aviation out of Novato. Yeah. Good job. <laughs> Playboy job. Nice airplanes. Flying to exotic places. Can I ask what you were, I guess, what were you feeling at that point in your life? Like you just wanted to have like adventure and you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. And move I, to... I was recuperating from Africa, but it always left a mark on me, as you know, because years later I wound up in Africa again when you were kids in, in Saipan. I find it, I find this really fascinating. Your, um, because you've talked about Africa so much, even when I was a kid, and you've also talked so much about how much you hated Jersey City. And I find it really interesting because it feels like, in a lot of ways, I I know that you really dislike, you know, like New York City, and you really dislike America, and Jersey City, and I I think most people that even the people that live there understand that feeling. Well, I don't necessarily dislike America. I, I, it's environments. Uh, for instance, here in Korea, I, I look at these vertical skyscrapers full of people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and and that reminds me a lot of, of New York. Yeah. New York State is beautiful. Upstate New yeah. York is absolutely one of the most beautiful places I've seen in my life. New York City, it's... Knock yourself out. You know. I just heard you talking a lot about how much you dislike like that sort of urban environment, and mm. it's interesting to me how that's like where you grew up. You know, in a like in an inner mm. city that's very. I mean, I think most people are in agreement with you when you look at parts of New York and Jersey City. You're like, this is dirty and horrible, uh, and yeah, this and be depressing. Out. I mean, you and may- for a lot of people uh, that live, you know, a lot of people in those areas live in poverty and they don't have a way to get out. And well, I think get, you, it's very visible to you uh, and I. All my life, I've heard you sort of talk about this, and it, to me, it kind of sounds like you were trying so hard to escape Jersey City, hmm. and you really didn't find comfort there, and you found it, you know, when you went to. Nairobi, do you know what I mean? And that's like really fascinating to me because I think it's a it's a it's a theme in your life. Do you know what I mean? Because after after Africa, you went you moved to Alaska and you were in the rural like you know out outer edges of Alaska, you know, flying these tiny uh, seaplanes and stuff. Oh my God! Yeah, that's that's another aspect of my life. This next chapter, I think you get really close to figuring me out. Yeah, I can't be in one place too long. I start to go nuts, but yeah. now Alaska is a whole different story. It is as beautiful as, I mean, it's absolutely jaw-dropping. I mean, as yeah. a pilot, you know, unfortunately, most people haven't had the opportunity to see what I see, you know? Yeah. You know, all my friends who went to work for the airlines, they they spend their day at 37,000 feet landing in Chicago and Miami and boom, 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 you know? Mm-hmm. Now, I've flown the same type of airplanes they've flown. Boeing 727, but when I felt like flying at 500 feet above the ground in Africa, 
I did. No rules. Yeah. No rules. You know, See, land on dirt runways, dirt runways with yeah. the Boeing 727. You know, nobody that help you fuel or empty the load. Yeah, that's me. That you know. feel. That sounds well, like freedom. How right? liberal was I as a pilot? I could take the little pictures on the wall now mm-hmm. and show your audience you flying the 727. Oh you, yeah, I remember you, remember you put that? me on the yeah, way yeah. to Palau. Wait, it's, on, it's on the wall. It's a it's our mayor family. Um, you were at legend. The, you were at where the, I was ten years old, no. and my dad let me fly the airplane because it, we were flying like a cargo plane no. back, and we we could ride for free in the back or something. And it was empty because he had just offloaded all the tuna. Mm-hmm. That's right. And I, we were in route to get the tuna. Oh, you're, we were going to go get the tuna, and and they were like selling but, it from Japan or like all that frozen we're, tuna. We're flying to Japan, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it was empty. I remember the whole airplane, the back of it was empty. So yeah. it was like a passenger airplane, but empty and there was no seat. Oh. So you could walk through. Mm-hmm. I remember walking through. That's our smoking we area. Weren't supposed to, yeah, <laughs> my dad would go back there and smoke. And I, I don't know if we were supposed to, but there's little seats right behind the cockpit and they were, we could fly that's there for free. Seat, yeah. And then mm. that's how we went on vacation that one time. But, yeah. but on this podcast, I really like trying to figure out people's like emotional motivation kind of, you know, and like the emotions. And I feel like what you're describing about Africa and Alaska, there's like a running theme here of this like freedom you felt like you, no one was telling you to do anything. You could fly an airplane 500 feet off the ground and land on a dirt runway. And I think anyone hearing that, that sounds like so much fun. You know, like if you're going to be a pilot, why would you want to be a pilot and fly a Delta airplane from Newark to Toronto do you know that's like the most boring thing I've ever heard like that wouldn't that would be like a miserable life like if you're gonna be a pilot you want to go to Nairobi and fly around like and land wherever yeah. you and want get to meet the people in yeah. the villages and talk to them you know and go to Alaska and fly in the snow and I think that will really resonate with people what you're saying but i i really think it was like a reaction to you really disliking your childhood living in jersey city (laughs) i really think so that's my theory okay so alaska is where you met mom and maybe i think we're gonna actually just have a recording where we talk about that separately so you were in alaska for how long for a long Uh, time right seven years eight I can't put the years together now. You got the seven-year yeah. itch, and then you had to move. <laughs> well, the the eight, the nine-month winters helped the itch a lot too. That's wow. the, that's the severe part of Alaska. But uh, again, what you see in Alaska is is, is jaw-dropping. I mean, it's absolutely absolutely incredible. I could tell you so many stories about the things I've seen, you know, and the people I know. Geez, I still, every other day I talk to my friends in Fort Yukon, a giant metropolis of 600 people. (laughs) Yeah, Fort Yukon. Yeah, Mama's been to Fort Yukon. When Linda John grabbed her, cuffed her, and taught her how to make moose head soup. So you were living in Alaska. It was like, again, another experience where you were really connecting with the landscape and you really like all the people that live there, mm-hmm. the community. Yep. And then you moved to Korea after because mm. I, I was, you wanted me to be born in Korea. I wanted you to be born in Korea? I don't know. I'm ask, is, that, is that accurate? Or did mom want that? We, uh, mom and I talked about... Uh, moving back to Korea mm-hmm. 
And while she was pregnant, we said, okay, I'll tell you what. I had this one contract uh, to complete at Lake Iliamna flying float planes. Mm -hmm. And I said, why don't you go to Korea with Corey mm -hmm. and your big belly? <laughs> and uh, I'll be over after the season. So I flew around. Uh, yeah. I, I completed the contract at Lake Iliamna seaplane pilots, flying charters. And came to Korea, and then you were born, and we said, well, let's stay here for a while and see what happens. And uh, got a job at the Osan Aero Club as a chief flight instructor. I went from big airplanes back to little airplanes. Mm -hmm. And that was a lot of fun, too. We'd take these little single airplanes to Japan, which, you know. Was that the first time that you were in Asia in your life? Uh, yes. But no. What did you think about I guess, what did you think about Korea? Did you have any thoughts before moving here? Like, what were your ideas about it? Oh, okay, here we go again. Roger gets off the airplane in Africa and says, I'm coming back. Roger gets off the airplane in Alaska and says, I'm coming back. Yeah. Roger got up when I met your mom, you know. What do you, blah, blah, blah. He says, hey, you got to go to Korea and, 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 and meet my family. I flew into Kempo as a passenger this time, you know. <laughs> And uh, the one of the first things I remember about Kempo was driving out of the airport, and there's a, a brigade of soldiers. You know, what the hell is going on here, right? Back in the old days. Yeah. You know? Anyway, we, uh, your uncle picked us up, your Chonan brother, and at night. And when the sun came up, and we're talking how long ago? We're talking well, 34, 35 years ago, right? Mm hmm. Well, no, no, before you were born. I'm sorry, when Sumi and I first came here. And I fell in love with the place. Mm. I don't know why. It was rural. Well, downtown Kijishi was, well, you, you can barely remember. Don't forget, when I first met your, fam your, uh, your family, mm -hmm. mom's mother and brothers, they were all little crumb crunchers. Yeah. And uh, I, I was working for Ween Air Alaska then. I was on vacation, mm -hmm. right? And... Uh, at one point, I had to call them. They said, let us know when you get to Korea. And, and uh, the second day we were here, I asked where the phone was. And there was the telephone, right? Yeah. With a crank on it. Wow. <laughs> so, what, you you got to be kidding me. Okay, so then I was born in Korea. I mean, I remember I remember when I was a little kid in the 80s, it was it was very different. Like, mom would give me pegwon, which is 10 cents, the equivalent mm -hmm. of 10 cents. And I could go get multiple things at the yeah. store. Yeah. Multiple. I remember doing the math to make sure I could get, because I always wanted to get more things. So I would get the cheaper things so then I can get three. You know what I mean? So, okay, so then we were here, and then when I was six years old, we moved to Saipan. Mm -hmm. I'm actually going there tomorrow for the first time in 20 years, but it's essentially where I grew up because we got there when I was six years old, and I moved. we moved away when I was 16. Yeah. So that was very formative for me. And so, you know, Saipan is something that I talk about on this podcast sometimes because I know a lot of people don't know about it. But tell me, I guess my what I want to know is, like, what was it like because we moved there in 1991. What was it like then in 1991? Uh, it was just starting to pick up. Uh, it, 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 uh, the PIC was relatively new at the time. Uh, everything was gearing up and uh, going from a rural island to a domesticated island. 
kind of yeah tourist I mean, touristy island resort you know. island yeah 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 pic is the resort where my mom worked for years it's like one of the bigger resorts there they have a water park mm-hmm. in case people don't know i remember there were no street lights that's correct yeah. and then they came in a little shortly after we moved there yes yeah. and i remember dolphins do you remember them? The wildlife? The, you mean? the dolphins would sort of swim up. Oh, oh, yeah. I vaguely remember them when I was younger and like I think sea turtles and then they went away pretty quickly. I think yeah, yeah. the tourism and yeah. traffic. Like I, I just remember them vaguely when I first was maybe mm. I, I, I don't even know if that's a real memory. Maybe I made that up as a kid. No, the dolphins used to come to the lagoon all the time. They did, right? Yeah, okay, yes, I thought yeah, that I made that sure up. It's still very beautiful. How was that? And we lived there, you know, 10 years. Mm-hmm. And during that time, you worked in Angola. I was in Angola, yeah. Af- in Africa. During yeah. the civil war, their very long civil war. Yes. And you would go there for three months. That's correct. And then come home for two months. One month. One month. And then... And that was your schedule. You'd be gone for three months, and then you'd be home for a month. Yeah, I did that was three years. And you did that for three years. And, and did, how? Yeah, didn't get killed in the process. When the miracle was. I think that that was probably very traumatizing for you. Yeah, that was a whole different Africa. You don't want Africa like that. But uh, it's Africa, and went there to make money and help. Right, and that was like very rough. What what was what was your job? Captain. No, but like, what was your like? What did you fly? Like people. Uh, supplies. Right. No lights on the airplane. War zone. Supplies for what? Like for the people? Like food. Yeah, but it wasn't like a. Was it like? For like humanitarian aid, or it was like a private. Uh, like some of the airplanes we had, uh, the Hercs, the Hercules, the four hundred turboprops for UN, but uh, the seven twenty sevens were for other things. Right. You know, I, I, I'll kind of leave it at that. Wow. <laughs> that, in case the FBI is listening. <laughs> um, the FBI wouldn't know what I'm talking about. Yeah. In case the Interpol is listening. Uh, so that, I, I feel like I don't know much about that part of your life either, but I feel like you were in a, a like a massive airplane accident, which is something no one really survives. You were in mm, an airplane accident. Yeah, we did have one. Huh? And I, re- I think I look back at that time and I feel like you seemed very disturbed by that. Me? Yes. You see, you well, feel, you, yeah. Yeah, you yeah. were very different for a while after you came back. Oh, uh, yeah. When, from that. Yeah, when you're, you're semi responsible for the loss of lives, it's. Yeah. Not a good feeling. Yeah. But that's life, I guess, huh? Yeah. Oh, here comes Mino. <laughs> Here comes Mino. Yeah, I re- I remember like you didn't really talk about it directly, but I just feel like indirectly I would hear you discussing it with your friends. Hi, Mino. Do you want to come inside? Hi, Mino. What do you got? 
Are you getting bored? Okay, we're going to be done in 10 minutes. Yeah, so I guess, yeah, I guess that's like kind of leaves us to, and then you move back to Korea after that. Are we, am I missing any place that you lived? I mean, you know, for. No, I think we hit it all. Jersey City, California, Spain, California. Z- Zambia. Zambia. Angola. Angola. I spent more time in Angola Alaska. than you did in Saipan, but the Saipan. Saipan. Yeah, you weren't really, in, I mean, you when you were off, you were there. Well, you were basically like, yeah, it wasn't like, hmm. obviously you can't really live somewhere a month, a month at a time. And, and let's not forget, before I got the job in Africa, Transafrique, I mm-hmm. had a job in Palau flying 727s, the tuna. That's the yes, one that's you were when on. I was. That's, that's one, when I was in the there. I let you fly. Yeah, you, yeah. You and yeah. your sister both. Took Palau, the wheel. Palau, yeah. which is like, I, I really <laughs> wish I could have made it out there to this trip, but I didn't have time. Like which is a very remote island that's yeah that's north that's, the northernmost island in the Marianas I believe yeah, yeah, yeah. um and Af- yeah and then excuse and then me the one you Korea. really want to see someday is Yap right that'll which change is another life. island yeah, in Yap the Marianas well. okay. I think that you know my feeling about you is that like I was bringing up earlier. I think there's something here about you really disliking Jersey City, but I think it's really funny how it just sort of, you wound up living this life that's like very off the beaten path, you know, in search of finding a place where you felt like, you know, comfort and you felt like it made more sense to you. Because I remember when I was 11 years old, your mom, grandma, I think she was sick and we went to visit her in Jersey City. That was the only time I had been there except for when I was five, I think briefly. We were there for like a few days. Um, And I remember you were talking about how you saw your old neighbors and they were all still there. Like everyone you grew up with on that block just (laughs) still lived on that block. And then you and then they were like, oh, like, where do you live? And you're like, I live on this island called Saipan. And my wife is Korean, and it was after I, I met her in Alaska when I, after I moved from, you know, like, Angola, and they were like, what? <laughs> I guess they ran home and tore the Encyclopedia Britannica volumes apart. Yeah. <laughs> That's before the internet, you know? Yeah, and I remember yeah, you I were telling okay. us that story, and you were just like, I don't understand why these people don't leave because it's so horrible here, or, well, you know, like... I shouldn't have said that. That's not fair to them. You know, people people are people. It's just, you know. Yeah. You know. I think, no, but you know, yeah, I, I feel like maybe that's not fair to say that. I agree with you. I don't think it's fair to judge people for not traveling. And I think, um, I, I know a lot of people that are really afraid of travel. And I think there's like this idea that it's like very expensive, but um. I think a lot of times people are just really afraid of different mm. places and new experiences and they'll come up with excuses not to do something and go somewhere. And I think once you go somewhere, you realize those fears are unfounded. There you go. Yeah. yeah that is as well. Wow, now I can go take another step in that direction. Yeah. But uh, sitting here thinking about it now, I, I'm not sure if you're born with that in mm. your DNA. I, the more I think about it, 
The reason I got out of Jersey City because I started to read. <clears throat> if you pick up a book, the right book at the right time, or the wrong book at the wrong time, I think that was the catalyst for me to get moving. Uh, I'll have to think about it for a while, but uh, I've got the feeling if I didn't read a couple of books, The Tropic of Cancer, The World of Susie Wong, some of the books I read when I was a kid, uh, some other books, just stuff, The High and the Mighty, 1955. I think some of the books I read got me moving. Yeah. Not my curiosity about what's over the horizon. Mm. I mean, everybody is curious about, gee whiz, uh, what's, over, what's over the horizon? But, you know, I, you know, I got a nice house here and I got a nice pair of shoes. And yeah. That's how I felt in Jersey City, yeah. like my friends. But you pick up a book. I think so. I really believe that's what got, got me going on, learning how to fly and learning what the hell's over the horizon. The book told me how to do it. Which yeah. book I cannot say in particular, but a series of books I, I read, and I said, wow, I'm out of here. Yeah. Yeah, I'm out of here. That's, that, that's, that's what really, really got me going. Yeah. The written word. Pen is mightier than the sword. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I think I've, I'm, I've always been, because I was raised by you, and like that sort of was ingrained in me this idea of like not really being fearful of like unknown places i've never had any issues traveling or fears and but i do i do see a lot of people who have those fears or they will try to um they'll try to come up with some sort of excuse why the way they can't go you know and mm -hmm. and it's really bizarre because i think that that exists a lot more in america than other countries when you said that thing because i think about what you said about your neighbors in jersey city all the time because a lot of my friends in america say things like that like they'll just not travel they won't go anywhere and and i'm just like i'm i don't know what it is i think it's propaganda well don't forget the last thing an urban society needs new orleans chicago they need to keep their people in the cities so they keep on paying taxes and keep on buying Wheaties and keep on buying beer. Yeah, and I mean, it's obvious they, they that Americans, let them go, the you know? government now is just oh. controlled by these people who need to keep people poor, you know, but, um, mm -hmm. but yeah. That's always been the philosophy of mine anyway, making it impossible for anyone stuck in an urban environment, Los Angeles, Phoenix, I don't care where it is, they got yeah. it well balanced. Uh, they got it well balanced. You yeah. can't afford to get out. Yup. And exactly. They can't, they can't afford to let you go. If yep. you go, you're not gonna. They set it up that that's, way. That's one less and that's person sad. they can tax. That's one less person they can sell yeah. water to. That's they want to keep you there. And it's hard because, like, when I say things like, "Oh, you should people should travel. They shouldn't be afraid of travel." I know that there are people stuck in those situations that literally can't. Because they're mm. trapped in these economic conditions Financially, yeah. that cannot leave because the government, the U.S. government is set up that way. Yeah. Which is, and I think that's what you were saying when you said, I feel bad for saying that about the people in Jersey City. And I, I yeah, agree I with you. I see that. people that live like that in New York and I'm like, I understand, but it's like, it's, it's really fascinating, you know? Yeah. It's so liberating and it's so sad that not a lot of people have access to travel. But I'm really glad that you found this 
you know, you lived this life, Dad, and I think it's really fascinating. I think everyone's going to think it's very interesting. You did this as somebody that had, you know, you obviously had a, a job, you were a pilot, and you had a source of income, but you were, you know, just off the streets of Jersey, and you sort of, you did do it, you know, a lot on your own. I really respect you for that, and I think it's really fascinating well, thank how you. you lived your life. Yeah, I have a, uh, I can't be a pilot anymore. I haven't got a source of income, but I, I'm going to talk to Sumi tonight and see if she wants us to pack up and go to Taiwan. I want to go move to Taiwan next. That, let's, that's my let's next do stop. It. Why not? <laughs> I, I would. Taiwan's. People, I like Taiwan. And there's no winter in Taiwan. There's no winter in Taiwan. <laughs> that's the selling point. I'm kidding. They also but, have the best uh, bubble tea in the world. Yeah. Mino used to pronounce it Taiwan. But you gotta try Taiwan. I'm I'm headed to Taiwan. Yeah, I'll go okay, I'll go for yeah. you, Dad. I'll meet you there. Okay. All right. Do you wanna um do you want to do you have any social media or something that you want the listeners to follow you on or no? You don't no, care. I, I'm sorry. I don't understand. Like, do you want the listeners who are listening to this to find you anywhere, like Facebook, or if they want to become your friend or something like that, or they're interested in seeing your pictures well, or no? I, I yeah, I'm on Facebook. It just Roger Mayer? Yep. Okay. I'm not on Facebook anymore, so if they just put in Roger Mayer, they'll find yeah. you. Yeah, that's the only uh, social network I'm on. And my dad's profile picture is probably you wearing a cowboy hat. <laughs> Either that or carrying a machine gun. I don't know which one it is. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. <laughs> okay. Well, the thank one you with so the cowboy much. hat. <laughs> Thanks so much for recording this, Dad. Um, I think I'm going to try to get one more maybe with you and Mom if we have time. But Oh, that would uh, be fun. I'm looking forward to that. Too. You want Mom yeah. and I together? Yeah, about how you met. Oh, That would okay. be funny. Okay. Okay. All right. Bye. Bye.